Sorry. I'm sorry. That's uh, that's me. Is that, I was reminded of a story that Gene Roddenberry told me, but, you know, fuck it. Just. Yeah. Fuck it. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 62, which begins with Ripley Parker and Brett looking around the recently lit corridor and ends with the trio inspecting a very smoky storage room. And we have Jason Heck back in the studio with us today. Jason, how's it going today? It's going great. Guys, stop emailing these two wonderful gentlemen. I'll be around for several more shows. So it's great. You can continue emailing us at uh, john at alienminute.com as much as you want. Uh, please well, right, listen. just don't complain about my right. absence is right, all, I'm right. saying. Well, that's all I'm saying. We understand. Now we've got, we've got a great minute coming up. You know, we, we ended a very minute 61. We ended a very suspenseful minute. You know, we ended in a, with a dark hallway. And this gizmo that Ash appears to have whipped up and manufactured in less than an hour, um, now giving its first hesitant buzzes and beeps. And we've got uh, Ripley manning it, and we now know that something is nearby, according to this gizmo. The only thing they have to search this giant, and I cannot overstate how enormous the Nostromo is. And they're going through it deck by deck, and this gizmo has now started to buzz, buzz, buzz. So Brett moves forward with the prod and the camera, tracks with them. This is, again, we haven't had a cut, uh, really. I mean, it's all one setup. And passing in front of us, I realize is the ladder is one of the ladders that that they have you know crawled up and down when they were chasing the acid, and it also will reappear uh, in just a few shots as uh, as Brett comes back through this room, and we'll get to that. But I just think it's one of the great things about looking at this movie minute by minute is you really can understand the way that the sets are put together, right. and and sometimes that thing that's in the foreground that you can't really identify. Suddenly, when you're looking at it this closely, you realize where it is, and it and it it, it makes this really fun. Uh, and so, as as the we sort of move to the right and they head towards this door, what do we see? Well, we see our semiotic standards again. Um, we see two of them. One of them is pretty difficult to see. We had to scrub back and forth a little bit to try to find it and figure out what it was. And it is a maintenance. So this. Uh, it's in the upper left, and, and Ripley ends up hiding it with her head a little bit when she steps to the door. But So we know this is a maintenance section of the ship, or at least this room is a storage compartment for the maintenance crew. A hazardous um, storage compartment, apparently. Apparently, because then on the door is the uh, Purina checkerboard symbol for hazard. And um, I think that's going to play in you know, later. I think there's a storytelling device here. I mean, it's obviously very subtle, but... you know. It, any of you that have studied your sem- semiotic standards that we've put on the uh, put out on Twitter or on the found documents and alienminute.com will know what this means as you're watching the minute. So um, we get this pause before they open the door, and we know if we're, if we're studied up on these symbols that we got hazard ahead. And right. don't you love it when a movie sticks to its own reality like that, though? When they take the time because that that shot lasts what maybe I mean we're able to see it clearly for a second or two at most, and yet. There it is. So it's sort of they came up with this this method for for how uh, how people would keep track of the myriad hazards on a ship in space, and they stuck with it. And I I think that's pretty great actually. I really like that. And it's also the whole uh, with us looking at this stuff. It also shows us exactly how small the habitable areas of the Nostromo are. Because if you look at it, the ship is basically what four engines. It's like four gigantic engines. And so we have. 
you know, just, I think, kind of a few decks that people can actually use, which makes sense. Why would you pressurize and waste resources for, you know, this giant area? So it's it's kind of interesting to, to realize that everything, you know, has a purpose and everything is devoted. It's definitely function over form on the Nostromo. It's it's, it's a workmanlike environment, almost like a, a like a, a Navy submarine or something. I did hear one of the actor interviews where they said that everything was connected and you kind of went onto the ship at the beginning of the day and there really wasn't any way to get off of it. It wasn't like there would be a, you know, a, a fake wall that you could walk around behind and then you'd be off in the, in the rest of the soundstage. So everything is, is interconnected right. uh, in the design of the, of the, they, of the did set. The act, did the actor sound nervous? Because that makes it sound like Veronica Cartwright to me. <laughs> I think it may have been. <laughs> a, little, a little fidgety, a little yeah. fussy. Yeah, yeah. Could, have, could be. Could is there be. a little bit of psychology at play here in the direction? <laughs> they trapped them in this ship set. They trapped them in the spacesuits. They were very uncomfortable, and yeah. it's almost like I wonder if there was a little bit of uh, you know sadism. Applicate. Ap- <laughs> wow, call a spade a spade. Sadism <laughs> or applying some method acting that perhaps yeah. wasn't voluntary. You're uncomfortable, use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so they're at the door. They open the door, and what do we? Uh, yeah, what's we... the first line we get as we come through the door? Um, micro changes in air density. My ass, which yeah. Ripley mutters, um, because it. She says it right after the door goes up. Now, the door is movement, the tracker keys on movement, and apparently she doesn't get a reading off the door, which really shakes her faith in this gimmick that Ash has rigged up to find the thing. Um, and you know what? When you're hunting a terrifying organism that has that has had the most, I guess, traumatic birth imaginable that has resulted in the death of a figure who is, I think, pretty much universally beloved among the crew, or at least respected, then... Yeah, your faith's going to be shaken, and you're really going to be stressing. And her, the distaste which which she mutters it, because she doesn't trust Ash anyway, right? Right. I mean, nobody really trusts Ash. And so he's given them, you know, their one hope to find it, and it's not working as well as it should. So she's clearly irritated and maybe afraid because of that. Well, given given the minutes that we talked about last week and the, and the reaction that, that Ash gives her when she asked for, yeah, you I know, rolled. what does it key off of? I mean, he... Hates her, and she kind of hates him back. I think. Yeah. I mean, now, do you not think, healthy? Now, no. do, do you think that's because of the quarantine violation, or do we think that it's just a general animosity between them? Well, there's seeds of it early. Yeah. When she, um, she wants to run the uh, message through the computer. Oh yeah, when he says "be my guest," but he well, says it really calls, snotty. She, yeah. He well, always pauses before responding to her. She calls him, says, "How's it going?" You know, with the away team there, and he's like. <sighs> It's fine. You know, he doesn't, he's not conversational. He's not polite with her. He's just short, curt. Yeah, but and he, it just builds with her. She's got to be, not only she, does she not trust him, as she says to Dallas, but she's just, she's sick of his bullshit. Now you're right, because he's he's unfailingly polite to Dallas. He, uh, you know, all of Dallas's queries, which are, you know, kind of those of a layman, he, he responds to with politeness. Um, you know, he certainly evacuates Parker's seat. Uh, when Parker says you're sitting in my chair, um, but with Ripley, there's there's the sense that he can push back a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think you're right, but and and that animosity probably means that she has even less faith in the tracker than she would otherwise, right? If they just plucked it out of a storage locker and let's go find this thing, but you know here it is created by this guy who she apparently kind of hates and who hates her right back, and now it's not working. So she's I get her her extreme irritation and probably fear. When that door goes up and the tracker doesn't show it, you know what's interesting about where the camera is placed in this in this in this scene is it's pretty low, mm-hmm. you know, and 
generally the standard reading of a low angle looking up at a character makes them heroic or seem powerful. All it does at this point is just make that room seem menacing and and confusing and dark and scary. And even though they're walking in and we're kind of looking you know, sort of up at them, mm. uh, it, it, it doesn't make me feel very confident about anybody. No, they're lost in the steel canyons, right? They're, they're, they're sort of, it's almost like walking down a dark city street. There is menace behind every one of those. The room is packed with storage crates of their, you know, space count chocular, whatever it is they eat in their dining room, space Wheaties and, and maintenance parts and everything else. We know that, well, it's, it's probably spare parts and stuff based on the maintenance symbol. So here they are in a room that is dramatically more poorly lit than the hallway they just left. But now we did talk a little bit about the lighting earlier in the minute. We might have jumped ahead a little bit and talked about the light pouring into this room, but we had a little discussion about, you know, whether or not Parker actually got the lights back on. When he did, they're decidedly more fluorescent in nature, but the light source we get here is not fluorescent in nature at all. An anti-aircraft searchlight, perhaps? It's, it's yeah, pretty it's, hard light, isn't it? Yeah. So, so this is one of those points where Ridley Scott chooses a, a style point over the practical lighting source. And uh, what effect do you think this is creating here? Exactly. Well, like let's what? just know they're leaving safety, I think, yeah. would be yeah. you know an area. And and honestly, if you look, if you go back to the corridor before, it's, it sure doesn't seem safe. It's, you know, that light is absorbed and sucked up and there are shadows and, you know, crevices and, and, and dark spots everywhere. And yet it seems dramatically safer than this than this terrifying room that they're now entering. All of them now keyed up. All of them now knowing that there is something in there based on this tracker, and of course the tracker also malfunctioning. So their stress is just through the roof right now. Well, I, you saying that right? Talking about safe spaces, let's mm. just call them. Where are the safe spaces on the ship? Are they systematically subtracting them as we go along? It's starting to occur to me that perhaps the safest space on the ship, the where you would feel the safest on the ship. We just experienced the most horrific thing possible right. in it. So, where are you safe on the Nostromo? We don't. Ever, we never. That's true. I mean, we never see living quarters. We see the cryo chambers. We are, haven't been back to them for a long time now. Um, I mean, do they? The, do we have crew quarters here? I assume we do. Uh, but no, we certainly don't see. We them, don't though, see do them we? though because they're not going to offer us something. Right. They wanted the. They wanted the mess hall to be the safe place that's where we that's where they're comfortable they are laughing they're eating they're doing all the things that we know it's like comfortable things to do and then they they destroyed it for us so now we're talking about they keep moving through the ship no place is safe right uh i don't know i just hadn't thought yeah. about that so no i never before. thought about that before yeah. either that makes that's really great that yeah. makes a lot of sense and i never thought about the fact that we never saw crew quarters because it wasn't didn't appear to be inherent to the story that we're telling anyway. But right. y if you wanted to make it a, uh, a more comfortable environment, right. you would have had those. But they right. they, they definitely d decided yeah. not to do that. What do we see? We see Ash at the science desk, we, and when Dallas wants to relax, he goes to the shuttle. Right? He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't flop down in a bunk with his space tape player or music chip player, or whatever, um, or I guess space three quarter inch video player or whatever they would use in this sort of clunky future. But um, he goes to the shuttle to relax, which I thought was pretty telling. So, I think you're right. Once once the uh, dining room has been completely, you know, lost, there's really no safe place. The mess hall or whatever. Well, so now that we've made the place even more hostile. I, I, I'm ready to go on to the next minute. Has anybody got anything else? No, I'm good. 
you guys are looking at me like you're waiting for a Star Trek reference. Well, you're not going to get one. Not today. So. All right. Well, that'll do it for minute number 62. Uh, tune in tomorrow for minute number 63. You can find us at alienminute.com. Follow us on Alien Minute Pod on Instagram. Uh, we're, uh, I'm sorry, on Twitter. We are also on Instagram. And uh, you go to T Public and uh, buy some t shirts if you want. And uh, see us here tomorrow for 63, minute number 63.